welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, the sweet smell of spring. We are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Batterson here. Barton Simmons there. Barton, spring practice uh, in your days as a Yale superstar safety. <laughs> what was what was, uh, what was your – because you've told me before, and I think I hope you've said it on this uh, podcast, but you liked fall camp, right? Where was spring practice on your uh, enthusiasm level? Uh I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, maybe I'm just a, a, a nerd. But I I loved spring practice too. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I football was all, like I always enjoyed football practice. I played basketball too. Basketball practice can suck sometimes. Like just doing like you know defensive stance drills and and doing conditioning. Like but footballs was always fun to me. And so um, the only you know, spring I'm sitting here in Nashville with snow on the ground outside my window. And it is sort of bringing me back a little bit to, to my Yale days where, like, I think the coldest I ever was in my life was a spring practice at Yale where it's like freezing rain out there and you're doing stretching lines in the, you know, on the, the soaked turf. Oh. Uh, just just miserable. So as, <laughs> as long as the weather was good, I love spring practice because the great thing about spring practice is fall ball can get a little bit monotonous where you're doing a lot of teach stuff, a lot of install Usually in spring, they're just trying to get guys out there to compete. You know, there's a lot of more scrimmage periods. They're less worried about injuries. They're trying to see who's who's good, like among the young guys. So you know, if you're an older a veteran, you may not get as many reps. So that's not as fun. But uh, but you but there's there's a lot of one on ones. There's a lot of team periods. There's a lot of scrimmages, and and there's a lot of live football. And that uh, makes spring a lot of fun to me. We've got uh, so I get we are sitting here recording on Thursday morning, March eighth. Uh, this it feels like we're starting to to get all the all the gears in motion. You know, a lot of the big programs are starting to hit the field. If they aren't doing it this week, they're going to be doing it soon. Remember, fifteen practices, eight in pads, um, and it'll it'll be spread out basically where we'll start to get our spring games. Uh, in the middle of April uh, into late April, those those three weekends right there seem to always dominate the calendar. And uh, and man, it's 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 a fun time to uh, to sort of hit reset as as we start to take a look. So our goal for today, uh, we we try to be um, you know we are fans of college football. We love what we get to, a chance to do. And so I Barton, if it's cool with you, I I wanted to just sort of hit it back and forth with like things that we are genuinely excited about, you know, just like storylines, players, topics, teams, uh, things that we're excited about uh, following during spring practice this year. Is that cool with you? Let's, let's roll better. Uh, that, that sounds fun. Okay. I'm going to start things off here because uh, I, do, I do have a little drop prepared. Um, no music on this one, though I have been in the lab working on, on new, new stuff. Um, I am so excited to watch Chip Kelly have to deal with reporters again. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I'm, this is going to be some, this is going to be a thing for me because, uh, 
Like, you know, it's one, is it Belichickian? Like, do you have a good way to describe Chip Kelly's uh, sort of nature mood? Do you, do you like it? Does it get on your nerves? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm not a big fan of just sort of the, I mean, everybody's out here doing a job, you know, and and I'm not, I'm not a fan of the, of the coach that's going to sort of, uh, down talk to the guy who's just sort of doing his job and so I think there's a little bit in Chip Kelly what's going to be fun here and I don't you know I'm not sure what your drop is I'm anxious to hear it but at Oregon you're you're away from the spotlight and you sort of you own the town and you do whatever you want LA you are you know you're not in Tuscaloosa you're not in Columbus you're not the show but they're still got those pesky like LA Times reporters that are going to ask you some annoying, tough, like, like uh, biting questions that, that he's going to have to field from time to time. And it, it is going to be uh, entertaining to see how he handles that because it's still, it's still a big city market with those sort of big city newspaper writers that like to, like to get crusty and, and, and in, the, in the dirt there with them. Uh, a quick 40-second supercut of the four minutes that he spent with reporters – prior to um, the first spring practice. What are you kind of hoping to get accomplished both today and over the course of the spring? I have no idea. We've never been on a field with them, never seen them before, so your first view is our first view. So. What would you say you're the most eager to find out about the team? Just how the media asks us questions before practice. <laughs> that was the biggest thing we're trying to get accomplished today. So. What's the challenges there for you and your staff not knowing that much? I don't think there's any challenges. I think it's just take it as it comes. Did you find value in watching the game tape from last year or the year before last year? You're scoring in. We haven't watched any game tape, so. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, yeah, BS on haven't watched any game tape. Right? Yeah. 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 Chip Kelly, no way. I mean, to be fair, when you listen to that, it is – I mean, the questions are stupid. Yeah, and that's what I'm and saying. They're like obvious, but at the same time, these guys are just trying to write stories and they need a soundbite. Just give them a sound. Give them a give, give them what they need. Uh, but I do like as I listen to that. Like I kind of get where Chip Kelly is coming from a little bit. Like, what, what are you trying to accomplish? I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think, man? <laughs> what do you think I'm trying to accomplish here? Like, they hit him with like, uh, is, is this going to be a lot like your spring practices at Oregon? He was like, I don't know. That was six years ago. I've learned a lot since then. <laughs> um, and, he, and to be fair to Chip Kelly, he did have a, later in that quote, he said, um, all the offensive linemen we've got didn't play last year. Uh, you could watch game film to watch Josh Rosen because he's a hell of a quarterback, but it's not, you know, we don't have any relevant game film for what we want to do, but still. His uh yeah. Just 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 watching him, his relationship with these like like you said, Los Angeles Times, Orange County Register, like it is a huge media market. Even though UCLA is not the biggest show in town, it's still gonna get some attention. And like UCLA puts every single one of those media availabilities on YouTube, every single one. Barton, I think I'm gonna watch at least twelve of the fifteen. You're going to have some great material come come uh, fall camp. I mean, just <laughs> hey, what hey, what look this this. We haven't watched any game tape. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, dude! Like you were just on this side of it. Like you were just on the media side. Um, 
being a talking head, being asked to comment on every uh, every game, every play. Uh, you can't show a little bit of compassion for these guys that are just trying to write their pre-camp stories. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 savage. What's the biggest thing you're trying to figure out? Trying to figure out why I got to talk to the media before every practice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let, let me also pivot this back to actual football. I'm I'm very excited, and I think that Chip Kelly at UCLA, uh, and I think we kind of talked about this in stock up, stock down. Um, but I'm just I'm excited. You know, I think that this is a uh, th- this is probably for a league that has lacked a little bit of pizzazz. You know, like I, I don't think Chris Peterson wants. Washington to be pizzazz. I don't think David Shaw wants, you know, the the sexiness, but Clay Helton ain't on the maximum top 100 and I think that this is going to add a little bit of uh a little bit of fun and a little bit of intrigue at every twist and turn and the fact that it's uh an an ornery particularly prickly coach like Chip Kelly who is going to have a little bit of a been there done that attitude. I think it I think it is something that I'm excited about. How about that? Yeah, I am. I mean, obviously, I am too. I think it's going to be a blast, and I think he's. I think he is going to be great for the Pac-12, great for college football. Uh, the the one thing that I'm interested though with the UCLA deal is, I'm not sure they've got a chance to be very good. Like, I that when you look at their roster, there's a lot of of rebuilding that has to be done. Offensive line is is going to have to sort of undergo an overhaul. There, you know, I guess they've got. Um, uh, Jordan Jordan Wilson or Caleb Wilson rather coming back, uh, who's you know was hurt half the year, so that's kind of a big time passing threat they got returning. But there's not a lot returning in the receiving core other than that. Um, running game has never been a big uh, su- hasn't been as successful in a couple years. Uh, defensively, their linebackers are terrible. Their defense was terrible. They got some pretty good defensive backs coming back. That's about it. I just as you really look at their depth chart, like I think you realize, wow, this is kind of a steep climb here. For Chip Kelly, I wouldn't expect some revival in year one. I think they're going to flash. They're going to have some good games, uh, but that's maybe something to keep an eye on this spring too. Is just sort of what are they? What's the product look like? Yeah. Um, because I do think that there's going to be a a learning curve with the with the personnel they've got in place. They get from a personnel perspective, um, you know, like it seems as though they don't have quite. Uh, half of a contender but maybe like a quarter of a contender like they've got like don't they sprinkle in like when you're taking a look at it you've got um you know four uh, maybe like four players on the two deep four or five players on the two deep that could start anywhere but then after that it's a big time drop off sure yeah and i'll bet though i bet there'll be a lot of young guys that get opportunities to play which could make them an interesting team an exciting team um you know they could be starting a true freshman quarterback they could be starting a grad transfer quarterback in kj carter samuels um, they do have, as you mentioned, like the Jalen Phillips and the Darnay Holmes of the world. Uh, so in that sense, like it could be really fun to see this UCLA team grow as the season progresses with a really young roster, a bunch of new faces. Uh, and so, yeah, I think like just in terms of, of an unknown and a exciting new offense, I mean, UCLA could be one of the more fascinating and, and uh, fun teams to, to pay attention to this year. All right, Barton, your turn. Uh, team, player, storyline, coach, anything. What's what? Do, what are you genuinely really starting to feel excited about as as the the spring practice season takes over? Well, as as 
in the lead up to our conversation today, I've been digging a little bit on position battles around the country. And so, and there's a lot of them and a lot of quarterback battles. And, and I don't know, a couple of my, my anticipated storylines might be quarterback battles as we get through this, this talk. But I think the top one that I'm most interested in is the Clemson one. Uh, they return their entire defensive front. Yeah. They're, they're going to be sick again on defense. They've got all these rod receivers they've been recruiting. They've got these speedy running backs that are coming of age. Who's going to be the trigger man? And Trevor Lawrence, the number one player in the country, is on campus. Hunter Johnson, the number two pro-style quarterback from the 2017 class, is is chomping at the bit. And then you got Kelly Bryant, who looked great at times last year, more athletic than both of those guys, but who just looked like he wasn't the answer when it came time to college football playoff season. Um, so this is – I mean, I just – you know what can Trevor Lawrence do? Can he really make a run at it? Is is are we just overlooking Hunter Johnson? Is Kelly Bryant the, a shoe in that we're that we're making a big deal out of nothing about? Um, I just think as that camp progresses, the the amount of reps each guy gets, and and then sort of the culmination of things on, at the spring game is going to be really telling about what we're gonna like what Clemson, what version of Clemson we're gonna have next year. And and not only that, but let's say Trevor Lawrence is is even if he isn't, I can't imagine he'll be named the starter because they're going to want those guys to be competing into the fall. But if he just looks obviously like the best guy out there, then what does that mean for Hunter Johnson? Does he transfer? Does Kelly Bryant look to transfer? Does does that leave Clemson like really depleted at the quarterback position? I, I just think there's a lot of different ways this thing could could play out and again one of them could just be hey we're overthinking this whole thing is kelly bryant uh enjoy your backup jobs hunter johnson trevor lawrence so it'll it'll be i'm very interested in that one do you have a um do you have like a call like do, do you are you um do, do you have any either a prediction of how it can go or a, if you were uh jeff scott tony Elliott, debo sweeney what you would do I mean, I think a lot of it depends on what Kelly Bryant looks like. I think it's it's. Um, I mean, if he takes strides, you'd probably prefer to to, to keep him as your yeah. your starter, and you prefer to have the upperclassmen let those younger guys, um, you know, battle it out in the future, and and just there you got the quarterback depth. But if Kelly Bryant hasn't progressed, if you st- if you still are going to be limited. Because you're, you're also you're faced with the same dilemma Ohio State had last year. Like Ohio State was was going to have every opportunity to win the Big Ten with JT Barrett. But I said it over and over on our pod. He wasn't going to be the guy that's going to win you a national championship. So it was almost a gamble to pull him because it could look worse in the short term or it could be a disaster to go with, with uh, Dwayne Haskins uh, at Ohio State. But – I think you would have known you're giving yourself an opportunity to win a national ch- title where you didn't have that with JT Barrett. And and does Clemson feel that way? Like, is, is Kelly Bryant a guy that's going to give you, that's going to probably win you an ACC, but sort of gives you very little opportunity to win a national title? I, I don't know. But if he's that guy, then um, I think it's it's hard to digest wasting this defensive line group and this talented wide receiver and, and skill position group with a, a guy that gives you very limited opportunities at a national title. 
I think it's Kelly Bryant. But I, yeah. I'm not ruling out uh, that we see Trevor Lawrence in competitive snaps by midseason. I, and I do. I think some of that's going to depend on what Trevor Lawrence does look like this spring because I've. I think I've said. I mean, he's he ended up our number one player in the country, but there have been times when I've been like, look, this guy is not. He's not. They're, they're, he's still a high school quarterback. Right. And he still has to he has to grow. And so I'll be if he comes and the light turns on and the switch flips immediately like that's then then that could that could be a little bit of a game changer. But I I don't expect him to just be ready to rip and run day one. The uh, an interesting note that has come out from Clemson as uh, spring practices started co-offensive coordinator Jeff Scott. uh, One of the things that he pointed out is that uh, they want to get faster. In 2016, Deshaun Watson's second year, Deshaun Watson's national championship winning season. Um, so I guess that would have been his third year, uh, second full year as a starter, third year playing. They ran 81 plays per game. Uh, last year, that number dropped to about 73, 74. And some of that was put on the fact that you had a new starting quarterback, but also that you had. For the most part, you know, new running backs in there, new wide receivers in there, uh, new no Jordan Leggett, new tight end in there. And so if a main focus of that offense from the coaching perspective is being able to speed things up, I I read that, I hear that, and that tells me that that favors uh, the player who should only have more experience, more understanding, uh, be more comfortable with the system, being able to go out there and give them that. But... He also mentioned that we need to get better at the downfield passing game. And maybe that's where uh, Trevor Lawrence has a leg up on Kelly Bryant. But I, I, I tend to think, um, and, and I hadn't even considered because I just haven't gotten to know and see Trevor Lawrence like you have. I mean, it's, it's very possible that Trevor Lawrence, all the talent in the world, is just not ready. Yeah. I mean, that would be, the, that would be I mean, most guys aren't. Right? right, and so, uh, but this is a kid that's been a uh, a varsity starter since his freshman year, playing pretty big time football at, at Carterville High School in Georgia. Um, if anybody is ready for this, I mean, it's him. Um, so that is uh, that is that is definitely uh, a viable possibility. I am so excited to see how hype things are going to get for the Nebraska spring game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I it's like sign me up. Uh, this is this is where you're. This is where I'm. I'm happy that we're gonna have not only you know most of these spring games. Uh, a lot of them, you know, they aren't really traditional spring games anymore. Uh, some of some teams opt not to do them. Uh, I guarantee you that every ticket that they can like, I'm expecting. Uh, that Nebraska's spring experience, however it is, is going to have the feel of an SEC spring game. And that is going to be so much fun for me, someone of a certain vintage who, uh, as a young college football fan, love. I mean, it's like the, what the nostalgia can be a terrible poison, but man, it can be sweet too. To see to see the hype around uh, Scott Frost and this Nebraska team, um, I think is going to be so much fun. I'm genuinely excited about it. My curiosity 
is what this team is going to look like and what the um, what the learning curve is going to be to adopt Scott Frost's system um, and wh- how far, which I don't have a good idea of this at all. This is something I want to learn. I don't know how far Nebraska is from being able to like, I, I think that they could be second place in the big 10 West, but that's like one of those second place in the big 10 West with like two or three, you know, they're like in a tie and they, they're still two games behind Wisconsin. Like, I, I don't know how far this they are from saying? the bat. Yeah. In, 20, in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the SEC West or the, the big 10 West is so, it's just so average that I guess that's that's conceivable for sure. Um, like them, Iowa and Northwestern, you know, or, or uh, uh, Purdue, you know, like this is that that's where you look at that side of the Big Ten, and yeah, I could definitely see Nebraska finishing second or third, but it still feels like they're a good two to three games behind Wisconsin at this point. Yeah, and it's still it'll still feel like they are uh, a couple years away from being that national you know, that national contender. Um, and, and look, and it, the regular listen, listeners to this podcast know my and our um, appreciation and admiration for Scott Frost. And I'm equally excited for this, uh, this spring. You know, one of the things that excites me too is like, as, as Scott Frost talks about Nebraska and um, building this program, his goal is to have 150 uh, players on the roster, which, if you do the math, is about 65 walk-ons, um, and that's that's like the old school Nebraska. <clears throat> that's what they that, that that's what they built their program out in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that kind of plays to your spring game atmosphere vibe. Like this is Nebraska's a hungry, hungry fan base, um, and I think Scott Frost gives them some um, gives them the right recipe to sort of uh, rally around this program. Uh, and they're going to, you know, they're going to seize every little opportunity and every little indicator to do that. So I think that's going to be fun to watch, to watch and build out this roster, to watch the, the walk on program be brought back to watch the spring games um, pop. But, you know, more, more immediately uh, I'm, I'm going to circle back to another position battle, another quarterback battle, like who's going to be the quarterback in Nebraska. It's going to be either Pat O'Brien uh, who is a pro style, but you know, athletic kid, um, it's, or Trist, Tristan Jebbia, who is a more of a slight of builds, but very accurate, uh, the, a kid that is like a, a total football junkie and has all the intangibles from a work ethic standpoint off the field. Uh, or is going to be Adrian Martinez, who's on campus, early enrollee, high school kid, dealt with injuries, but very athletic, much better fit for what Scott Frost would ideally like to do offensively. Um, so I think that's a wide open position battle and it's going to tell us a lot about what this offense looks like. I, I, I sense that Scott Frost's staff will be able to adapt if they have a more of a pro style quarterback under center. I don't have any doubt that they can, you know, they'll, they'll be able to have success without having some uh, electric running quarterback, but but certainly, I think that they would love to see Adrian Martinez come in and kill it and give them that running threat as a true freshman. Uh, two questions. Number one, is that Taylor Martinez's little brother? No. Uh-uh. I mean, no. I mean, uh-huh. he, the, he's, he's from uh, Northern California, Fresno area. The, uh, the 
the the Martinez brothers were Southern California guys. If he if they're related, then that's that's news to me. Uh, second question: Does Pat O'Brien have a nickname, and if not, can we call him the Hurricane? <laughs> Wait, what? What is the Hurricane? Uh, Why would we call him the Hurricane? Pat O'Brien's in New Orleans, the oh, famous oh, piano yeah, bar yeah, yeah. where you yeah. got the Hurricane as their signature cocktail. Yeah, that's right. We can we can call him whatever we want. Especially because he hadn't won the starting job yet, okay. so let let's coin it and get it rolling. Yeah. I think he's POB in, in Lincoln, but uh, but we'll, he, we'll... he's POB on the message boards. Well, he's yeah. he's the hurricane in uh in, in on the twenty four seven sports college football <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah. All right, what do you uh your turn? Uh, okay. How about uh, how about staying in the Big Ten? Um. Is is Ohio State yes. going to be able to keep two quarterbacks on this roster? Can can they get through this spring and convince Joe Burrow that hey, they're they're not going to name a starting quarterback this spring? Well, I don't know, maybe they will, but I think Urban Meyer is going to have us in a, be in a position where Joe Burrow, who's a grad transfer quarterback, if he doesn't win the job. Uh, what kind of clarity do they gain from that battle this spring? Because if, if Joe Burrow transfers, he can go win a national title somewhere. Like I'm not saying he's going to be the reason you win a national title, but he's national title capable. Like he's Classic that good of a quarterback. Joe Burrow center. apologist Barton Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- listen, this I I think all right. So I'm glad you brought this up because Ohio State quarterbacks was on my list too. So. Yep. What where what is like taking the temperature uh from from you know Bucknuts and and everybody else like what's what are you what are you feeling in that? I think Dwayne Haskins will be the quarterback. I think I I think Ohio State in a way kind of owes it to Joe Burrow to give him clarity through the spring. And like I also think he's good enough to win the job. So I'm not counting him out to win this job. But I think Ohio State owes him some clarity they've seen these guys compete now for the backup job for this will be the second spring uh, both those guys had a big time quarterback duel in the spring game both looked great last year um, so I think they owe him some clarity at the end of the spring that either yes you're the starter or no uh, we're going with Dwayne Haskins and if he's not the starter I think Joe Burrow transfers uh, and I I my hunch is that Dwayne Haskins will be the starter and I also think that Ohio State, because of the way they've recruited, they they can do this. Like they've got, they've still got Tate Martell as their backup. If if uh, Joe Burrow transfers, they've still got a loaded quarterback room um, that that gives them depth and gives them some security. Um, yeah, ideally you got those both those guys in the roster. But this is an in-state kid who's who's you know paid his dues, and if he's going to sit behind a younger guy, then. Let him go get some reps somewhere else. So I, that's that's sort of the way I expect it'll play out. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's 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 a little bit. It's it's far, it's far from a given. Do you? What's the, um, like the the post J T Barrett era at Ohio State is going to be fascinating because there's going to be an immediate, um, if if Ohio State 
comes out and Dwayne Haskins, who I agree with you, I think Dwayne Haskins probably ends up being the starter. I there's there's going to be an immediate reaction, maybe not about from Ohio State fans. I don't have a a good feel for this as much, but the limitations of JT Barrett were so exposed and discussed by the end of his career that I think that we're going to have. Uh, I think that we're going to have an overreaction in a way that's probably unfair to JT Barrett. An overreaction in that what their offense will look like without him will... We'll have people will, just being like, oh, see this, JT Barrett was holding us back. See, I'm on the JT Barrett was holding them back train. I think he limited them. I think that was a mistake. I got, he was a leader, and, and you can't quantify what he brought to the locker room. And Urban Meyer is so outspoken about what a what a great person and a and a and a presence he was on that team. So, look, I think with those things you can't. It's hard to 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 question that. Um, is that is that the wiggle room you get when you've got three national championships that you can just be like, nah, you know what? We're probably not going to win it all with him, but man, this is this is better in the long run for the culture. I guess, I guess, but I. I really think their offense is going to be better this year, um, more explosive, more balanced, uh, and they've been, you know they've got. Uh, I think Ryan Day is, is appears to be circling into a more prominent role in the game planning, um, along with Kevin Wilson. So uh, I, I just I think they're going to look really explosive offensively this year, and it's about time those receivers started being more than just drag guys. More than just underneath route crossers, like mesh. Uh, let's run mesh yeah. again. Let's go. Yeah. Just let's just have them cross. Let's go. So, so yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I think, uh, but I'm I'm pretty optimistic about what that offense will look like. Um, and how about that staff they put together? You know, now they got their co-offensive coordinators are are Kevin Wilson, who is the you know the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma in their heyday, and the the head coach at Indiana. Then you got Ryan Day, who turned down allegedly an offensive coordinator job at the Titans to stay in college as an offensive coordinator. And then you got on the defensive side of the ball, Greg Schiano, a former NFL head coach, and and, and Alex Grinch, <laughs> who was like the hottest defensive coordinator in college football this year. It's stupid, man. Like it's that's insane what they put together. I'm I am. Uh, I'm. I mean, because these things, it, like I I find myself sort of kicking around in my head. Um, like, like I don't, I don't have to seriously consider it and you don't, I mean you, you don't either, but I, I'm definitely kicking around in my head, Ohio state as like, which again, it'd be a boring national championship pick, but you know what you and I, you and I, whether it's a radio hit, whether it's a casual conversation with friends, like the question, who's going to win it all next year? Like nobody wants to hear you be like, well, like you need to, you need to have an answer. And I'm, I'm kind of kicking around Ohio state's going to win it next year. I mean, that's not a bad pick. There's a, there's some, there's a lot of contenders for next year. I, I think this is, this is, this is a little bit. I mean, obviously Alabama is going to be the, the overwhelming favorite I would expect by most people, but Washington is going to be really good. Uh, Ohio I mean, all this, the, the, the Big Ten will have several candidates. I think Wisconsin will. They'll, they'll, this will be their best opportunity they've ever had. Um, and then you got, you know, you got the the madness in the SEC. Um, Barton, when we went live with CBS Sports HQ, 
I didn't know that sometimes our takes were going to be captured and instantly shared. But I'm glad that I came strong right off the gate because one of my first takes was Washington's going to be a threat. Washington is a a team you got to watch. Trajectory looking good. And if you were watching CBS Sports HQ, then you saw it. Because that is the way to get the latest scores, news, and highlights for college football and all of your favorite sports. CBS Sports HQ. It's the brand new 24-7 streaming channel covering the biggest games, the best plays, and crucial insights from Barton Simmons, Chip Patterson, and tons of other illustrious guests. Uh, You can stream it for free anytime on the CBS Sports app for Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, your phone, and other connected devices, or you can watch it online at cbssportshq.com. Uh, if you are tired of uh, you know just a bunch of yelling and screaming and you just need to see your standings, your scores, uh, the, the layout is fantastic. We've always got uh, the latest highlights coming on there, and then, of course, um, you can scroll through. I mean, I, I, I love it because I can pull it up and you can quickly see what the last like 15 topics were. So you can go back. It's available all the time, 24 seven Barton and I are on it. And, uh, and it's, it's the best CBS sports HQ.com. Get it through the CBS sports app, uh, Apple TV, Roku, or on your phone, tablet, all that good stuff. CBS sports HQ.com. Yeah. I came strong with Washington on launch day. And then all of a sudden I saw my face, Shared by a corporate account talking about what was your, Washington. What was your Washington take? Because uh, I got hit with, um, you know, what's you know what what's the what's what's one team to look out for moving forward, and it was based on uh, like talent trajectories. And I mentioned Washington, and I talked about how their recruiting rankings over the last like three to four years have been moving up. And they've already got one college football playoff appearance under their belt. They appear to be regular Pac-12 contenders. And, like, you know, it's it's time for us to start considering them national championship contenders. It's a winning take. <clears throat> I mean... It's a... it's a uh, That is a... I'm, I'm all the way on board with that take. I, I... And it was... I was... I was glad I pulled it out. You know, sometimes when you're a take smith and you're in the, in the hot... <laughs> when you're in there banging away, you, you don't know how it's going to turn out. But that one, <laughs> I was I was put on the spot. Like, give me a team that to look out for. It was like the last question of the segment. I was like, ah, Washington. So, so that's that's good, quick thinking, Chip. I'm proud of you. Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, whose turn is it right now? Uh, I think it's your turn. Okay, cool. Got uh, sort sort of gave you a little bit of a preview with this because it is uh, it is something I'm. Uh, intrigued by. I, I'm excited, uh, but a lot of this is coming from a sense of intrigue, and it is a little bit more abstract, but uh, certainly it, it it plays a big role in the SEC, and we haven't even really gotten into the SEC yet. So I'm excited to watch, follow, and track what the vibe is like around Auburn. And when I say that, uh, I just think the Tigers are in a very interesting spot in the Gus Malzahn era, you know, we are five years, this season will be five years separated from when they made the run to the BCS National Championship game with Gus. Uh, there was the flirtations with Arkansas 
And then he signed a huge new contract, which is locking him in at Auburn for the time being. We've got a little bit of disappointment in the taste of uh, in, in the mouth. And that's, of course, coming from, uh, you know, you were in the dumps. You go on this incredible run. You beat the number one team at home twice in a row, but then lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. You lose to UCF uh, as the Knights then became the national champions of themselves. And, you know, like what what, what are our expectations? You know, what are what is this team going to look like? Uh, I just I think that Auburn right now, for you know, I just think that that's a that's a fascinating case where in our stock up stock down conversation, you and I were both like, oh, I don't know what's going on at LSU, or like, ah, oh, I don't know what's gonna what Jimbo's gonna be like at Texas A and M. Like those are those are intriguing, but I I just find myself more excited about Auburn because I think Auburn will be better. I think the on field product will be better. But the off-field, just sort of energy around that fan base and that program is equally as intriguing. So you think that they will be – when you say the on-field product will be better, are you it, saying it will be better than last year? No, better than Texas A&M, LSU, oh, okay, Mississippi okay. State. Like I, I think they're still occupying a similar space in terms of, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to favor them to beat Alabama – but you're, I, I'm still putting them in, in that slot in terms of general power uh, up and down the SEC West. Right, but it, and it feels like Auburn fans are eternally um, like restless with Gus Malzahn. Yeah. And, and I don't see that subsiding this year. And, and maybe we'll learn a little bit more about how likely or unlikely that is this spring because, um, I mean, they're replacing some offensive linemen. It'll be a, it'll be a different. I mean, I think they've continued to evolve that offense into more, uh, more Jared Stidham friendly um, last fall, and and got there towards the end of the year. But they're going to need to continue that step this year as they lose, you know, carry on Johnson and Camp Petway. They've got a, a a wide open running back battle this spring. That's sort of the position battle to watch at Auburn this year. Is is just who among like the five or six running backs that are in the mix is going to going to emerge as the as the dude um and they lost some defensive talent as well like i just uh, you know auburn always seems to just sort of cycle in some really talented freaky defensive linemen and linebackers i think i'm sure they'll be okay but i I think this feels like another team that's just going to be uh you know just like like they're on the cusp of like of uh, on the cusp of of sec championship and the cusp of disappointment in the same season like it's just i don't know how they do it but they can they can get so close to to the 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 highest level and yet at the same time be like so close to gus malzahn being called (laughs) for his his head like it's amazing how they balance that auburn is one 20 point blown lead away from firing gus malzahn (laughs) and like Oh, two better special teams plays away from lining up against Alabama in the national championship game. Right, right. Unbelievable. That's, that's who they are. That's their identity. <laughs> yes. they, li- they live on that edge. Do you think they enjoy that? Do you think at this point the pain is pleasure for an Auburn fan? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I don't know if they know any other way at this point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, it's uh, – it's it's entertaining to watch, and for the for the Malzahn family, it's got to be a grind. But yeah. 
it's uh, it's certainly entertaining on this side of it. All right, uh, what do you have? All right, I'm going to stay in the SEC. I'm going to go SEC East. Uh, I am interested to see how many gassers, up-downs, uh, you know, um, f- like physical challenges that Jeremy Pruitt puts his roster <laughs> yes. through this spring. <laughs> or, SEC Network, we need him mic'd up. We need, you know, like, we need two-a-days Tennessee spring practice. I don't know if that's necessarily like the Alabama way. Like, I don't know how much sort of um, physical torture they put their players through to, to toughen them up. Uh, I think that they haven't had to because they've instilled this uh, this uh, mentality and culture at Alabama. But Jeremy Pruitt comes in just as as hardcore, tough guy, blue collar, you know, country mean as they come as a, as a coach. And he's being tasked with this Tennessee roster that has a reputation of players running the program, undisciplined, no accountability, bad culture, and and like it's gonna it's going to be I think just this baptism by fire uh, by Jeremy Pruitt with this roster. Like, how do you just flip the switch and turn these guys into mentally tough, physically tough? kids after being sort of coddled for the last few years and and again this is all just sort of based on what we've we've heard around the program but um so i i'm just fascinated to see it, what what the mechanics are like what the actual steps you take as jeremy pruitt to 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 turn the corner on that because you know that every bit of that is just maddening to him and he's ready to to really just absolutely flip the program on its head and so uh i'll be fascinated to see how quickly that can happen and what it looks like okay we're gonna roll up our sleeves man <laughs> all right all right all right <laughs> um i i'm i'm so Get hands out of her pocket hands out of her pockets <laughs> oh man i'm i'm so excited for that uh i think that there is probably going to be more physical there's, there'll be more hitting in Knoxville maybe than anywhere else in the SEC this spring. Yeah, you think, but they also have to balance it because they've – I mean, it's it's a thin roster right now, and they can't they can't afford a whole lot of injuries. I mean, tr- devastating to see Trey Smith has got some medical issue that's keeping him out of the spring and, and is sort of keeping him out indefinitely. Uh, hope for the best there. Uh, but there – you know, there's there's – they're pretty thin across the board, I think. And uh, so you can't just sort of let the dogs loose and just go to war, but maybe maybe that's sort of what they need. Maybe they just, hey, we'll, if we get injuries, we'll take it. It's, it's, uh, it's a necessary evil. Uh, it's collateral damage to get in this program where it needs to be culturally. So I don't know. It'll be, it, that'll be fascinating to watch. For see, I'm going to keep it in the SEC East. For a team that does have some certified – uh, athletes, some capital F freaks. I'm excited to watch as Florida unveils an, an actually dynamic offense. Cause you know, spring practice is a great time for a dynamic offense to look incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess my, 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 um, anticipation for Florida is, can that offense look dynamic? Like, I think you're, that that's a that's a pretty big leap to just start calling it dynamic all of a sudden, like that that Dan Mullen can make that quick of a 
a fix? Like, do you believe that strongly in Dan Mullen being able to all of a sudden turn this offense into something fun to watch? No, I think that this is a situation where I'm taking into consideration the uh, the sort of nature of spring practice, where just some sometimes uh, athletes in space in spring practice can look a lot more impressive uh, and then they end up doing on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you, like I can't tell you how many times, uh, throughout, like how many times during the early and, and may, who knows it might happen every single year, but like the, like Larry Fedora's North Carolina Tar Heels teams, I have friends that'll come out of spring practice or spring games every single year hyped about just someone, a player who at the end of the day was just an athlete that made, that looked awesome in space that looked really fast and athletic in space in a practice scenario. Yeah. Just sort of sets up that way. You know, it'll be, it'll be like, like you'll, you'll, you'll feel a lot more excited. Like it, it might be um, a little bit shinier than it actually will be by the time you, you start to get into uh, that offensive line lining up against defensive linemen that want to rip their heads off and uh, some corners that are maybe allowed to touch and harass you a little bit more, you know, so on and so forth. I, I, I think that Dan Mullen arriving will put a product on the field in spring practice and in the spring game that will make Florida fans believe that the issues have been solved. I, I'll be... I'd be interested to see whether how quickly or whether or not Felipe Franks can look like a competent quarterback under Dan Mullen. Uh, if he comes in, out of the spring game and like all of a sudden like looks like some guy that's um, in control of the offense, that that sure is a good sign. Apparently, that the battle is between Felipe Franks, Emory, and Emory Jones, the true freshman, who's more athletic, more of a Dan Mullen style quarterback, but who is, in my opinion, a long way away from being ready. Um, so I think Felipe Franks is still the guy at Florida. Um, and there's some talent in there. I, I, my hunch is that Felipe Franks will, will end up ultimately being a decent quarterback for Florida. Uh, I think that starts this year under Dan Mullen. Uh, but, but, you know, I'll, uh, I'll update that, that take and that opinion after the spring game. He's got good running backs, got good th- weapons on the outside. Like he doesn't need to be uh, a Nick Fitzgerald or a Dak Prescott. No, and that's the, yeah. They they have. I mean that that's the one one positive here for Florida. And I, either their offensive line is starting to 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 have some young guys that are coming of age a little bit. There's they've got they do have a really talented receiving core and they do have some good running backs. So you would think, you know, to your point, like I think you would think there's opportunity there for this offense to to turn the corner relatively quickly. Um, so maybe it, maybe a system is all they're missing. Um, it was funny. Uh, you know, Barrett uh, Salih for us tweeted out uh, this week that did you see his his Jim McElwain tweet where <laughs> the Michigan uh, roster b- uh, bio said he put together d- explosive offenses at Florida, uh, <laughs> which is which, and I think Barrett's uh, quote was Michigan's lying. Uh, <laughs> Because they are like it, that's that is like they weren't explosively a lie. Like they, the, I, I looked up after that tweet. I looked it up, and I think Florida in the three years Jim McElwain was there wasn't wasn't uh, ranked higher than 82nd in the country in uh, plays over 20 yards, uh, which is a, kind of the, the definition of explosive. 
So, um, so yeah, may, maybe it was sort of just Jim McElwain that was the problem because they do have players. Yeah. Um, all right, what you got? Uh, okay, okay, all right. Um, how about let's go to the ACC? Uh, can can a disastrous defense at Louisville get worse under Brian Van Gorder? Yes. <laughs> because that's a, that was the, that was the weirdest hire of the offseason uh to me is you you have a defense that looked you know, it kind of took a step down from from Ty Grantham to Peter Sermon uh looked a little bit um lost at times and now you're going to hire someone in Brian Van Gorder who that sort of defined his career uh, over the last couple stops is defenses that were not playing fast uh, not not disciplined, not really getting a grasp of the of the system, and now you got Louisville that's got Lamar Jackson leaving, and a defense that needs to strengthen. That I I think is is you know with the turnover with the with a new scheme being brought in, like I, I think it's going to be worse. And so I we'll see how you know whether what what it looks like in the spring, but. That's something that I think Louisville's got to get fixed, and and I think if anything, the the problem has been um, has been heightened with the with the new hire. Apologies to any friends that uh, who work for the program or the university who this may offend, but my read of the situation is that Louisville football is a business that just got bought. Its board of directors has been cast aside, and the CEO, Bobby Petrino, is just handing out jobs to whoever he can because he knows the jig is up and this thing's going to be shut down soon. Even the Peter Sermon hire was weird. Yeah. Like, Todd Grantham goes to, to Mississippi State basically because Mississippi State felt like they needed a fix defensively, and, and Petrino's just like, all right, well, hey, we'll, we'll take that guy. We'll take the guy you just fired. And... Uh, I mean, what? I don't know. That's two hires in a row uh, that is just not not really made sense. Um, yeah, I mean, like they don't have an athletic director. Uh, they they are like things are kind of a mess right now. Like it just. It, how yeah. about this? It seems like there's not a whole lot of supervision over Bobby Petrino and the Louisville football program right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> like, like, did, yeah. like I think Papa John just got kicked off the board and right. Papa John's just lost its the NFL deal. Louisville is like, just a mess right now. Like, I think, I, I, I think that it really is one of those situations where like, I'm, I think that there will be individual moments that are exciting, but if we want to look at Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman, the Cardinals going seven and one tying for a division title, um, and being a ten-win team like that—that that was the peak. I don't. Yep. I don't see a lot of. I don't see a. I don't see a lot of signs. I'm not reading these tea leaves. I'm not seeing a lot of signs that suggest uh, the cards are, are are set to make a make a run at uh, the big dogs in the ACC anytime soon. No, no, that's that that's shale ship sale. Um, I am very, very excited. And if, if you got anything more, I'll, I'll throw it back, but I want to, I want, I want to make sure that we get, uh, two things out. Number one, I am very, very excited, uh, about Barton's spring game spectacular. Cause I think, 
I think a lot of college football analysts and writers talk about, you know, putting in time. Y'all, Barton's the only one who actually, who's about it. <laughs> he, you're the only one that will DVR and will on-demand every single spring game that you can get your hands on. I love the spring games. that gives you so much fodder to talk about heading into the fall like and i think part of the reason why i can sort of tolerate the spring games whereas other people sort of lose interest is because i i know these names from high school right so i'm like anticipate anticipating what they can look like in their sort of first action and so that, that keeps me engaged um but i'm i'm big on like like i'm the guy who in in uh in preseason nfl I can't stand how the commentators in preseason NFL are talking about like the the season instead of like the guys that are on the field. I can't stand in spring games when the when the announcers are like interviewing the uh, you know the celebrity on the sideline and not talking about the third string safety and where he comes from. Like I, I'm interested in that kind of stuff and sort of the 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 meat of the roster and the you know the minutia. So. Um, I guess that makes me a nerd, but it, no, it's, no, no, you, you like, we need you, you know, cause I Barton, I can't, you know, this, this is where it's a, a compliment supplement type thing. I, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't have it. I don't, I just, you know, I'm, I've been, I've been doing the, the college basketball grind. I've been doing four days of masters golf live blogs. Like, <laughs> By the time those spring game Saturdays come, I've I've just had to hit eject from the matrix entirely. Yeah, trust me, I'm not sitting on the couch on those Saturdays. I've lost I've I've lost the leverage on that with two kids now. Uh, <laughs> you know, spring game Saturdays are not me sitting on the couch, but they are late at night watching the YouTube DVR or whatever, <laughs> like trying to just d- dig trying it up at any, any resource. Breaking I can. it down. Oh uh, nah, this is like that's that is awesome. So I'm very very excited for that. And we've made it through 55 minutes of this podcast and we haven't mentioned, and I, and and this is, this was my hunch. It wasn't on my list. I was curious if you were going to bring it because I am not excited about what I think will be the biggest top talking points of spring practice and the off season, because I will find them tired and I already find them tired. And it's what happens at Alabama and Georgia at the quarterback position. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Alabama one is like I I, I can t- having not talked to anybody Alabama about this. I can I can still tell you what is going to happen. They're going to compete. They're going to split reps. But Tua is the starter. Jalen will be the backup. Jalen will get reps. They'll have packages for him. They'll split time at times during the season, and then Jalen will transfer next year as a grad transfer. But this year he's going to pay his you know serve his time backing up Tua. If if Tua isn't the starter, then God help us. Like I don't I don't know what to I don't I don't know what to tell you. I mean Nick Saban is is I mean he played with one hand tied behind his back last year sitting Tua on the bench. He's not going to do it again. Um, so let's not act like this is some serious quarterback competition. I I really believe that Jalen would be back next year in 2018 playing on the roster and getting snaps every game. But it's Tua's team. I agree. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And I think the same thing is true with Georgia. Really, it's, it's Jake Fromm's team. They're going to give uh, they're going to give Justin Fields every opportunity to compete. 
and I think that they're going to get him in just about every game in situational and, and package plays or series here or series there. Uh, but it's still Jake Fromm's team. Um, and uh, that could be, like, if anything, I could see that becoming a storyline as the season progresses if Justin Fields somehow shows, you know, really flashes, like, undeniable ability when he's in. But um, I do think Georgia, you know, probably feels a little bit like they owe Justin Fields some snaps here and there. And I think they're going to give him every opportunity to earn those snaps this spring. What do you think? Uh do you think that uh, Georgia is likely to increase Justin Fields' workload as the season goes on? Like I said, I think that just depends on what he looks like. I don't think that's, they're going to force uh, yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's tough. You know, yeah. I don't think they're going to force. I don't think they do that just to do it. I think, but I, I could see a scenario where Justin Fields is is like this undeniable talent that, as the season progresses they realize how you know, everyone sort of realize how good he is. And then maybe he gets, you know, the Justin Fields package is, is exercised more often, but they're just such they're they're, you know, at this point in the process, they're going to be very different quarterbacks because Justin Fields just hasn't had as many throw reps as, as Jake Fromm even had coming in as a, as a freshman. Uh, and so that is going to be, I think it's going to limit the ability for Justin Fields to just sort of seamlessly take over uh, and and over you know overtake uh, from. Uh, all right, we will be back with some spring buzz once these players start getting in action and we start to get uh, word out from the different spring practices about players who are flashing make, making an impact. Um, in, anything else you want to uh, want to unload before we get out of here? No, man. I think that's uh, that's all I got. I'm I'm. Uh, this is a fun time of year for me. I I, I I I will be vigilant and keeping track of who's flashing in the spring. So we'll we'll have plenty to talk about. Players that are making a buzz. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the twenty four seven Sports College Football Podcast. Please leave reviews. Please leave ratings. Um, nice ones. That that'd be ideal. Uh, they they have they go a little bit farther than uh, maybe even I realized. So if you want to help us out, um, don't only tell your friends, but also tell the world by leaving a review. So we'd appreciate that. Barton, thank you very much, yes, sir. 